I read your brilliant article. Uh, <laughs> I was, was wowed. <laughs> what well, it was like, you know, across the pitch there is Thunderland, but this is where the real celebrations oh, yeah. are. I, you I, actually read it. Yeah, it was brilliant. I was like, wow, <laughs> this guy can write. I read that article too as well. That, that no, that intro blew me away. Yeah. I was like, I can't put When you're scrabbling around for an intro and a full, full time whistle is literally in two minutes time, you'll take anything. I looked up, there was a, a Ferris wheel across the road. I go, that one. <laughs> this is the front row. Brought to you by The 42 in partnership with Guinness. Hello and you're very welcome to The Front Row, The 42's brand new rugby podcast made in partnership with Guinness. I'm Sean Burke, host of the show, soon to be unemployed. Joining me again this week is The 42's very own Murray Kinsler. Murray, how are you, man? I'm very good. Nice to have an Ireland win to talk about. I know, absolutely, absolutely. We'll be talking lots about that. And also joining us is Ireland rugby international Emer Considine, who wasn't playing this weekend, but who has chosen to spend her Monday morning with this squad instead. Emer, how are you doing? I'm good, I'm good. It's my first day of my Easter holiday. So I'm delighted. Oh, you've well, been great for him. Yeah, it's good. A bit a nice silver lining to the fact that this is our last episode of the series. Is it going to be weird for you, Emer, following the next few Ireland games, not being able to talk to Sean Burke about it immediately afterwards? <laughs> I'm going to have to have you on speed dial just to chat about it and to get your insights. They've that's, been key. That's what I was going to say. I'm only a phone call away, and that goes to you too, Murray. That goes I will to definitely you be calling you for for your analysis. I've been impressed with your growth in knowledge over the last couple of weeks. Oh, thanks very much, guys. You've been excellent teachers. What can I say? It's been a journey, um, but thank you very much. Uh, later on in the show, we're going to be joined by hedge reviewer and Stonewall enthusiast and award-winning actor Killian Sunderman. So we're very excited for that. But for now, Murray, as you mentioned, we got a win. We're off. This was probably a must-win game for Greg McWilliams and the team responded with a victory and a bonus point. How important was that for him? It was everything. You could see the relief and the lift of the pressure at the final whistle. Obviously, loads of joy there, but definitely a a kind of weight off the shoulders of of the players involved. A much improved performance, and we'll get into all the different aspects, but a brilliant occasion again. Really good crowd, over 5,000 people there in Musgrave Park. Nice to get out to Cork and and bring in different people from around the country as well. So a really positive day um, and loads of good stuff for, for Ireland to build on now moving into the future. Yeah, uh, Emer, what's your thoughts on it? How important is that for the team to get that first win under the new It was so great, so, so important because they're, like we've said, we've been building as a squad, but I suppose without results, what is building? And it finally clicked it. Everything started to work yesterday and the performance then was really great, which obviously looked after the result and with a bonus point win. So I think it is a huge relief of the girls just to to have that win um, and have that performance as well and, and improve, improve on things from the first two rounds and get some things right. So that was definitely a relief for the girls. Mm-hmm. And you could see it in the reaction. Yeah, it was it was emotional after, like you'd mentioned after the Wales game in Doherty, yes, the lovely scenes engaging with the fans and there was loads more of that as well as a fair bit of kind of um, family moments. He, even Nicola Friday, the captain, just after the game, she made a beeline towards the press box and she starts kind of blasting up the stand and you're thinking, what's going on here? She has tears in her eyes and you're like, what did I write about Nicola Friday? <laughs> and she continues on beyond us and there's a big hug with someone we didn't know at the time. It was her sister who had surprised her coming back from Canada after being away for the last year. It was a really lovely moment for her. You looked out then a few minutes later and Aoife Wafer, the 19-year-old who had come on for her debut, got a yellow card pretty soon after and was quite tearful coming off and came on, won a really nice breakdown turnover penalty just to to have her a moment. They actually presented her cap out on the pitch as well and, and she sang Miley Cyrus's party in the USA actually and d- did a good good Excellent job choice. on it. Yeah, a really good choice. 
But um, as we're going to hear from Greg McWilliams here, it was really nice for them as a squad and all those kind of family moments were a really important part of the day. Every time we've given caps out, uh, we've been on Zoom links with the parents or, or family members. Um, and just to have the parents there, um, it just meant a lot to the players. They wanted to do it. It's something that the players felt was really important. You know, it's a big day for us. Uh, Aoife Wafer is getting her cap. It's big for the family, but it's big for the whole group. You know, we're really proud of her. Um, so it was important that we were there to share the moment with her. And we wanted her parents and her family to share the moment. So, again, you know, rugby is is the vehicle sometimes, the engine for what you're trying to create, which is like lasting memories and um, and being able to challenge yourself and, and go through difficulties and come out on top. So it was important that we got to enjoy that today with the family. Greg seems to put a lot of focus on things around the actual game itself as well like family and the culture of it is that really noticeable in the way he does things yeah it absolutely is and even he said that about the first caps reef away for there but even when christy got her first cap in avian and anna like they zoomed in and had all the extended squad members on the zoom and also some of their family and friends that was nice to have as well because Mm -hmm. you can't be there and like i know i didn't have anybody in the room for my first cap and looking back I'm like oh it would have been so lovely to have this but I suppose Zoom only came to the fore in the last year or two mm-hmm. but it's those little moments that are so important to players and to players families just to be able to celebrate it and um, your culture is a huge thing like we've been doing like Irish language classes we had a, a musician in at one stage over camp just to have a little sing song mm-hmm. and you know it's a lot about we went down to Avon Reed, um to have like a little bonding day so like those little things are really really important at the moment and so you have to build a squad that wants to do stuff for each other and um, you go out in the field you know you're not individuals anymore and you have to just realize that you you have to work together just yeah. one other thing i want to say on the atmosphere yesterday in the, in cork there was one fella he had a brass instrument musical instrument i don't know what it was maybe a trumpet like i don't have good music knowledge but every break and play he stood up and blasted out a little song people kind of got behind it it was very french and it was class it just added I don't know, a sense of fun to the whole occasion. So a, a shout out to that guy. Yeah, no, yeah, you're, we have you here for your rugby expertise, not your music <laughs> expertise, but that's fine. Uh, I could hear him on the TV coverage it was good. as well. It was really good. Yeah, it was. Um, speaking of the performance, what exactly was different in this match? What gave us that first win? Scrum and line were better, first of all. Absolutely massive that Ireland got a bit of a platform there. The air count was way down, having been just, I suppose, at a, at a really high level against France. And Ireland managed to retain the, the ball and, and put together some really good passages of attack. And then they had a, a clinical edge, I thought, as well, when they got into the 22. Early in the game, probably were a little bit overeager and there were a couple of errors, but they really settled into it, probably managed the flow and momentum of the game a little bit better, used their kicking game, particularly Stacey Flood, I thought, with 12 or 13 kicks, just to pin Italy mm-hmm. back and have a bit of variety to their play so it was just a more complete balanced performance for for me mm-hmm. yeah 100 and, and they got they fixed this they fixed the set piece over the last few weeks um, and they've improved it and they've really i suppose week by week they improved their mall against france and then this week they improved their scrum as well so um like it just there's no point having a lethal backline if you can't get the ball out to them and i think in the last mm-hmm. few weeks they haven't had the opportunity to even get the ball cleanly out as far as and they've been under so much pressure and um, so at least we got to see that back line do their thing yesterday and at one stage i think i saw i think it was eve hagan's had the ball and she had amy lee on her inside and babel on her outside and as a defender like you don't know who you're going to yeah. take like when you've mm-hmm. got them three in front of you in a defensive line it's just each one of them are capable of doing so many things that it's just you're always indecisive in defense so i absolutely didn't 
didn't um, I didn't have any jealousy for the Italian defence yesterday yeah, yeah. and some of the tries were, were brilliant Nicole Cronin's pass for, for Lucy Mahal's try was a really nice moment to get a scrum penalty try is unbelievable turnaround in the space for a week haven't been mm. hammered by France in that area I actually thought the best try was the disallowed one which I thought was an unbelievably yeah. baffling call I thought it was really clear that the tackle wasn't complete when, when um, Amy Lee Crow, Murphy Crow went to, to ground but the build up to that was what 14 15 phases starting outside Ireland's 22 there was some really strong carrying from Sam Monaghan there was a chip from Nicole Cronin for Stacey Flood to regather some brilliant rock clear outs Baven Parsons has a, a run down the left as well it just showed the potential of this Ireland team when everything clicks as we've seen glimpses of they can put together brilliant passages and I definitely think it should have been a try yeah yeah that was an odd moment even the the TMO they seem to be the TMO almost... questioned her and just yeah. like, are, are, you, are, you, are you sure <laughs> do you do you want to check that again and she was adamant she wasn't changing her mind made her decision. I think she was saying that her, both her knees were on the ground so tackle was made essentially but they, she wasn't held she wasn't held and then she hit the ground after the, the, the tackler had kind of stopped making contact with her and I think the TMO should have just been a bit more forceful he's been mm. way too polite yeah. and I think everyone was pretty bemused by that one yeah um, we've mentioned a few names already but who were the standout players in yes, in the game well for me Sam Monin I mean she was the, the player of the match and, and deservedly so um, her carrying was exceptional top carrier with 12 I think she beat broke five tackles really dominant in, in contact didn't have the the Sammy Bill offloads that you'd mentioned before Emer in this game but a couple of, of passes as well to show her skill level and as we'll hear from Nicola Friday now it's been brilliant for them to, to play alongside each other in the second row she's uh, a quality second row <laughs> she's been doing it in the in the Prem all year and like I'm glad that she's finally getting the kind of recognition that she deserves because she's she's a, she's a baller and she's extremely skillful. So I'm delighted for her. Standout players for you, Emer? Would you agree with that, Sam Monaghan? Anybody else? I thought Stacey Flood was phenomenal. Um, she controlled everything with her kicks. There's nobody better than her to pass the ball in Ireland. Nobody, left and right. She is her pass is the best pass I've ever seen. Wow. Um, and she can she can just do so much with it. When she runs, she can find space. When she passes, she can put people into space. And when she kicks, she just always seems to find the space. There's her vision to do all three things, and it's the unpredictability of her game. And she sets up so many players and puts so many players in good space. Um, she was phenomenal yesterday. So, um, yeah, like a lot of good performances across the board, and it was great as, as well to see. Um, so many subs get so much game time as well and that was great too that you know mm -hmm. he did use the bench pretty well and um it, that was when and Hannah O'Connor actually went to captain when mm. when Nick went off and thought Hannah had a great game got a good few turnovers good good tackles not biased because she's my, <laughs> my roommate friend of, and friend of the pod mm -hmm. <laughs> I thought she, she had a really great she game and actually was her first 80 minutes under her belt in an Irish in an mm -hmm. Irish shirt Brilliant. so um look an overall great team performance and I think it'll be huge optimism heading into the England game with you know fixing some of the things that needed to be fixed mm -hmm. yeah I'm glad you mentioned the next challenge as well is the England game so we don't have much time to focus it's a great result but um, a tough challenge ahead and Murray they're going to lose some of the sevens players as well in this next match what effect is that going to have on the squad yeah so we've talked about this being an issue down the line and, and now it's here first off let's hear from Greg McWilliams because we haven't been sure exactly what's going to happen as he explains here there are going to be a number of players leaving before that England game we'll give you clarity as soon as we get it Murray um, likely we'll be losing um, certainly five players uh, from the 23 today that will be going to Lanford um, so it means you know maybe six 
So uh, we'll, we'll, we'll look at that on Monday morning and, and try and get an early decision so we can plan. Uh, we have Tuesday and Thursday, we train next week, and then we train on Saturday at the HPC. So it's important then that we look at, at, the, at the group that's going to be going over to England. And, and uh, yeah, I mean, I haven't really thought about it as much right now, but it's certainly something that's in the back of my mind. Yeah, so it's far from ideal for, for the Ireland 15s team. You're going to lose five, six players from that match day squad yesterday, including some really key presences like Stacey Flood, presumably. She's been a really key sevens international, has been so important in this Ireland 15s Six Nations campaign. The back three probably, maybe Avian Riley as, as well. Um, so there's going to be complete upheaval in, in the back line. And halfway through a campaign or over halfway through a campaign, that is absolutely far from ideal mm. you're finally getting some momentum into your team you're finally getting some cohesion into your team and now you've got to start again i suppose completely fresh backline probably some other wider squad members potentially as well going over to canada and we knew this was coming but even there it's it's surprising to me that greg mcwilliams doesn't have clarity exactly on what's happening next like we yeah. knew this was coming I understand if there's issues maybe in the seven squad or whatever has happened there, but you're in the midst of a Six Nations campaign. There's massive eyes on this. There's a lot of attention now. There's lots of celebration of the fact that Ireland have got a win. And then you're dealt this this big blow. That's exactly what it is, whatever way you dress it up. Totally get that it's a World Cup sevens year. Totally get that the seven squad want to build on the momentum they got in, in Spain. They were outstanding over the two legs there and, and got some historic achievements, I suppose. And I'm sure people will get behind that. But just when you look at it from the 15s point of view, you've got to go and play. I mean, it's the biggest challenge in the game right now to go and play England. Mm -hmm. They're the best team by, by a mile. Uh, and the way they challenge you, you need a cohesive backline in particular, I think. Probably in the in the back three, most of all. England are the best kicking team in the world. I think they've brought the women's game to a completely new level mm -hmm. in that regard of the game. And now Ireland are going to have a, a massive challenge in, in that, in, in finding the, the system, I suppose, to, to deal with that. So it's definitely... Um, uh, a tough situation for, for Greg McWilliams and, and for Ireland to manage players who haven't played at all any, any rugby really in the last weeks even longer than that are going to get put in in the, the most difficult circumstances possible so yeah it's, it's a really difficult and demanding challenge for Ireland off the back of all the positive things we've, we've just mm -hmm. mentioned and again it just brings up this issue of how Ireland are going to manage their resources they say it's, it's all one programme the RFU have been open about that but it's it's not palatable for people who've invested now in this 15 six nations and want to see ireland growing on, on what they've done i mean emer it's right it's not ideal but we're going to lose five or six players so the squad i guess they just have to accept it and focus on the next game how do the squad approach it yeah well i don't think it's any surprise to us so i think that's mm. the good thing is that we knew this was coming and greg obviously has a plan for when that happens um so as a squad i think we're prepared for that the positive is that we have a squad it's not just the 23 that are there there's been three traveling players each week as well to see how how the setup looks like and and what match week looks like so to have i suppose even that experience as well for those new caps and wider squad members is really important and um, the good thing is that these players have got serious amount of game time with the ail under their belt and that that's only of recent weeks and there was some phenomenal performances in the ail that you know warranted these players coming into the squad and some players were phenomenal in, in the AIL and will get opportunities to play for Ireland at some stage this year as a result of this. So you have to look at the positives that um, girls are getting rewarded for playing well in AIL and, and they will get their time to shine. And I suppose, you know, sometimes if you keep doing the same things, you'll never know what's out there. So mm -hmm. it's an opportunity for other girls to step up and to, I suppose, make that jersey their own and to... Um, 
yeah, I suppose to make that jersey their own. Mm-hmm. It does sound like there's like Aidan McNulty is the coach of the Sevens um, and has done a really good job since coming in there. And it does sound like himself and Greg McWilliams have a, a quite a close connection and are, are constantly in discussion. So ideally, literally today, tomorrow, um, Greg McWilliams has absolute clarity on who's going to Langford on that seven circuit because Ireland are back training on Tuesday and, and a really big focus on, on getting things right for England because that is going to be just a monumental challenge. I mean, we talk about Ireland's improved set piece there. They're going to be under intense pressure there, even more so probably than the, the France game where it was really difficult. Um, but ask Nicola Friday about going to England and how, I suppose, Ireland viewed this challenge. Look, it's kind of similar to to France like we're excited to go up against one of the be- the best team in the world and kind of see where we lie and like we're not going to be going thinking about a loss we're going to be going to implement our game plan and really put it to them because I think you, you can see it in the first 20 minutes against Wales yesterday Wales really put it to them so like we just want to make sure that we go out fighting and that's what we'll be doing it's obviously an intimidating challenge and a huge challenge like figuratively and literally they're a big squad <laughs> But, I mean, these are the games you really get riled up for, surely, though. I mean, there must be an extra level of adrenaline going into the big matches. Yeah, there is. You go out with a point to prove. And we've done it in the past that we've, you know, we, we went over to Doncaster two years ago. It's not an easy place to go over to England, but we, we kept them scoreless in the second half. Their first half, you know, they probably got the upper hand on us, but we went out with a point to prove that, you know, we're not just here to to mm-hmm. turn up. We're here to put on a performance and... We've proven it in the past that we can do it and like we have that heart and determination to go out and prove a point against England. Whatever team they put out, whether it's their first team, whether it's their second team, they're going to be out with the point to prove as well that they're the best team in the world for a reason. They're going to want to put bonus points. I think there was a, there was a comment made yesterday that it was the first time that England hadn't got a bonus point in the first half. Um, but England go out for that and after that game in Doncaster a few years ago mm-hmm. Sarah Hunter was obviously disappointed with their performance that we kept them scoreless like they don't they have very very high standards so mm-hmm. um, whether it's the starters or whether it's you know the non-starters that are getting their opportunity they're all going to want to be starters on that England team ahead of a World Cup year so they're going to go out with a point to prove we have a point to prove that we aren't going to a World Cup but that we're good enough to be there mm-hmm. I think that's what yesterday proved as well is that Italy are going to a World Cup and Ireland aren't but mm-hmm. we still we need to show the world that we are good enough that we are building and that we have the the players there even if it isn't the seven space that we still have the players that are top quality and high quality players to go in and, and face England it's not going to be easy and ever is mm-hmm. um, their pack are phenomenal like did you see Sarah Byrne score mm-hmm. a try last week against Italy it was you know your tight head prop um, running half or 50 metres down the wing to score but then she like yeah. milled over someone yesterday like they are absolutely mm-hmm. um, they're on fire in the fours but equally like they had Jess Breach back again getting two tries at the weekend I've lost Abby Dow to a bad injury I hope it's mm. not too bad um, and there was quite a lot of stoppage in play but Wales had them rattled and like, like Nick said Wales did have them rattled and they came out and they were in their faces at rook time um, they celebrated every little win mm. and that gets in England's heads and we just have to do that again when we go out and face them Yeah, if, yeah it's going to be um it's going to be a massive occasion for women's rugby. So again, in that Wales match, they had a record crowd of nearly 15,000. Now we're going to Welford Road in Leicester and there's talk of over 20,000 potentially being at this game, which wow. will just be a phenomenal occasion, as you said, for, for Irish players being involved. What a memorable mm-hmm. thing to be part of and a class uh, sign of the direction the, the game is going in. But yeah, England, I suppose, will be inspired by that also. They've won 21 games in a row now. And as you say there, 
they're kind of trendsetting in terms of how they combine their play. They've got really good depth as well. So it is the, the ultimate challenge. All right, we'll be back after this brief intermission. Stay tuned. It's going to be all killer and no filler when we chat to IG funny man, Killer Sunday, a.k.a. Killian Sunderman. This is The Front Row, brought to you by The 42 in partnership with Guinness. Welcome back, folks, and we are very pleased to now be joined by Killian Sunderman. If you're not familiar with his work, here's a little taster. Where did the road go? What's that dip over there? That's right, my name's Killian, and welcome to a bitchy guide to ditches. This ditch here is actually so embarrassing to look at. It's filled itself with water. It's trying so hard to be a moat. It's like you're not a moat, you're a ditch. Stay true to who you are. Never try to be anything else. Killian, thanks so much for joining us. Where to begin? Sketch comedian, mm. actor musician he just made his live stand-up debut my first question is where do you get off being so talented yeah did you re- mention the rugby talent i as didn't well? even yeah. get to the rugby i'll Guys, save I that told for later to talk about the rugby but okay yeah uh, <laughs> oh i'm so embarrassed yeah sportsman extraordinaire that's how i told you to say it on the intro yeah. i'm sorry your agent is gonna kill me i'm so sorry but thanks so much for joining us no man. thanks so much for having me wonderful to be here yeah yeah it's great to have you and we were just looking at a photo of you in full rugby gear man mm-hmm. yeah. in the zone you yeah. man of many talents. It's uh, it's a very funny photo because in the photo I have the ball in my hands, which was I think that must have happened twice in the six years that I played rugby. Uh, <laughs> it was, uh, I, I mean I don't know what happened, some sort of weird glitch in the matrix, but someone actually handed the ball to me and I had a lot of open space. And uh, if you look at the video, there's just panic in my eyes. I was like, how do I get this ball out of my hands? This isn't what I'm supposed to be doing. And then uh, I think I run and then someone comes close to me and I just throw the ball away. And I think it ended up being a knock on or something. But that was my brief period as, I guess, a center or a winger or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Thank God there was a cameraman there present in the moments to capture that very brief moment. Yeah, I very much tried to get those files deleted and erased, but... uh, they still exist somewhere. <laughs> You've got a special folder on your laptop. Yeah. Your rugby moments. How much did you enjoy it? You were in New Park, was it? Big yeah. School? Yeah, yeah. I was in New Park, which is not traditionally a, a rugby school. Um, we were surrounded in lots of uh, very good teams. We were just like down the road from Blackrock. And, uh, you know, every year they'd, I think it was like the Blackrock F's team. I think they actually stopped giving them letters <laughs> and they started naming them things like the, sh- the Sharks and the, the Dolphins and stuff because they wanted to keep the morale up. But we'd play those guys and they'd still trounce us. Um, but then, yeah, I don't know. We had a, a good enough team and, and we were, you know, we got some medals in the, I guess there's in, in rugby groupings, there's like section C, section mm-hmm. B and section A. Uh, and the nice thing about it is for some reason, you know, the, the lower ranking schools are section A, which makes it sound like, you know, obviously you'd yeah. assume A is the best one uh, and C would be the worst. But we were section A, so we used to pretend that we were the best. Uh, but we were in kind of, I don't know, the same grouping as schools like Pats of Navin and all those kind of guys. And we did well, yeah. We we were we were pretty good, I thought. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Well, you, you held you held your own. When I was in mm-hmm. fifth year, we ended up getting to the proper senior cup thing uh, through some. I don't know. It was I like really knowledgeable about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> I, I mean, senior I can't thing, really I remember. Uh, <laughs> Leinster Senior Schools League was that? That was well, yeah. You know, they have the they have like, I suppose the way it is that they have different uh, cups for different levels mm-hmm. of teams, and we were usually in the lower section A one. Uh, but then when you win that, you get a chance to qualify for the next one. And then you get a chance to qualify from to the next one, which is the second C, section C one, which is the big proper one. And uh, somehow, I don't know what happened. We ended up getting some, maybe half the team of Dallas Al were injured or something, but we ended up beating them. And then we, I don't know how it happened, but we ended up playing uh, Mary's in the first round of the proper 
uh, cup. And yeah. it was just, uh, I mean, I remember on the coach going there, our, um, our trainer was sh like telling us all these David Goliath stories and going like, uh, <laughs> and it was like, you know, in, in the year 500 BC, David meets Goliath. And we were, and he was going through all these amazing times where uh, the odds have been overturned. And then we showed up and they had, I don't know, like a thousand people there. And we had like two people on the sidelines smoking. <laughs> and then, um, and then I think the first five minutes uh, we scored, we got like a, a kick, we had three points on the board and everyone was like, oh my God, is something crazy about to happen? And then uh, very quickly, they they completely overran us. I think it was, you know, a historic uh, win for them. <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> they, uh, yeah, we, I think our, our winger broke his jaw in two places and, oh uh, yeah, and they, he was like drinking through a straw for months. <laughs> and um, and yeah, our, our like our, our out half was like this 14 year old boy uh, and he was playing as these Mary's, I think it was Johnny Sexton's younger brother was on the pitch and they just absolutely destroyed us. But it was, you know, it was one for the history book. Did you I, play any after school? Did you just fall out of it? I, I did uh, get invited uh, to play. I think my friends were playing for, I think it was Wesley or Old Wesley, or mm -hmm. I think that was the name of the team. And they, they were missing uh, a prop uh, for one game. And they said, hey, do you want to come along and just be a sub in case you need us? And um, and I went to it. I went to the. I just did the training with the bags earlier on uh, before the match. And like everyone was so big, you know. I, I guess I don't know. In, in schools, you know, people are different sizes and stuff, and you can kind of get away with it. But w when it gets to that level, they just people are so much larger. And uh, and I was just getting hit so hard, and I was like, this isn't very nice. And then I remember there was five minutes to go, and um, I guess they must have felt sorry for me because I'd shown up and I, they didn't meet, need me. And the coach was like, hey, do you want to go on? And I was like, do you know what? I'm actually good. Uh, <laughs> I think I'm okay. Just uh, I'll just watch. Like I'm a spectator today. And I, I never went back. People got too big, and I. I you know, I you didn't like it. getting hit in the head that much. So yeah, 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 no, no, fair play. I respect the honesty as well. Mm. Being like, you know what, I'm grand. <laughs> <laughs> you just don't see that enough in rugby. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Usually yeah. people don't want to come off the pitch, but uh, no, I was, didn't want to go on. I didn't want to go on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which uh, which position did you play? I was kind of uh, a journeyman in terms of positions. <laughs> um, I guess like I had different growth spurts and stuff like that at different times. I was in. Uh, second row when I was playing juniors and then I uh, I moved into flanker because everyone else got taller than me mm. and then I had my growth spurt and then weirdly towards the end I was playing prop which was uh, kind of weird so I just I was in the pack my kind of ethos when I was about to go on a pitch was like let's see if I can spend the entire game not getting the ball um, and it was quite successful are you a supporter all now do you follow Ireland uh, yeah I followed the the Six Nations um, uh, so I watched that kind of yearly um, and I, I've gone to a couple of Leinster games um, so I kind of I keep in touch with it a lot of my friends are still very into it but I've kind of drifted away uh, I'm, I'm getting I'm getting better with like the names and stuff like that but yeah I mean I've been following it like it was great that we won yesterday which was mm -hmm. kind of nice to see uh, because I mean the campaign hasn't been going amazingly so it's kind of good that we got a win under I read your brilliant article uh, <laughs> I was, was wowed <laughs> what, it was like you know across the pitch there is Thunderland but this is where the real celebrations oh, yeah. are I, you I, actually read it yeah it was brilliant one. I was like wow <laughs> this guy can write yeah <laughs> you don't need to if you need a job writing sketch comedy come to me I, I need some <laughs> hey check it out yeah, yeah yeah we're networking here so, I read that article too as well that, that, no that intro blew me away yeah. Like, you're scrabbling around for an intro and a full-time full whistle is literally in two minutes time you'll take anything I looked up there was a, a Ferris wheel across the road I go that'll work 
It's pretty stressful getting a full time report done. Yeah, I bet. I you bet. literally had it you're done like cut. five minutes after the game. I couldn't believe. I had done five minutes yeah. before the first. Yeah. <laughs> sometimes, honestly, you're kind of hoping that the match is going to be over with twenty minutes to go. Get it all mm-hmm. topped and tailed, ready to go. Maybe add in a couple of late incidents, but the nightmare is when there's something real late in the game. Yeah, yeah. you're just hoping nothing happens for the last yeah. five no minutes no Johnny Sex and Drop goals <laughs> yeah, with yeah, yeah. seven minutes of extra time played yeah yeah when there's something happens late in the game and there's no fun fair even next to the stadium yeah, that's when you really <laughs> you know God, what do I compare this to um, you just made your live comedy uh, stand up debut this I week. did literally three days ago me and Michael Fry who I know was on the podcast mm-hmm. before we um, we did it in the Dubliner Distillery we did our first ever stand up show which was uh, really really great uh, went very well. People were very nice. They laughed at all the jokes. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if they were pity laughs or they were real laughs, but it seemed it seemed real. I look back at some footage of it, and uh, yeah, it was a great response. It's hard to know what's happening when you're actually on stage and terribly nervous, but uh, yeah, it seemed like it was a great response. It was a lot of fun. I'll do it again. I think that's great, man. That's great. And are you looking to do more stuff like that? Yeah, yeah. The, uh, well, uh, there's another show happening in May. I, ca- I think it's May 10th mm-hmm. in the Sugar Club, which is called the Bureau de Change Vision, which is basically a Eurovision parody where uh, lots of different comedians. Uh, we've got you know, uh, Tony Cantwell, Shane Daniel Byrne, Michael Fry's doing it as well, Justin mm-hmm. Stafford. Uh, we're all going to represent a country and we're going to make a song um, and then we're going to perform it and somehow someone's going to win I don't know how it's going to work out but uh, yeah it's going to be good it's going to be very fun because you're a musician as well so you're perfectly suited for this yeah yeah, I'd like to think so I haven't got the song written yet so I know I'm representing Germany and uh, I, people you know the other queen is like oh you're in a band so you should be fine but I mean I'm a little bit quaking in my boots because maybe they're going to expect more from me than, uh, than I can actually provide as well I don't think you can perform blues rock for this kind of event so I don't think that's really the, the version of the Eurovision except I think the last Eurovision winner was kind of rocky so maybe yeah who oh it's uh, Italy Italy yeah, yeah 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 it was the year Italy won everything yeah uh, that's <laughs> right yeah that and then Euros as well yeah yeah they had a fantastic year yeah were you born in Germany your family's German How, uh, my, my dad is German and my mum is half German so they, they kind of met in Germany and then uh, they actually had us in England but we, we moved here when I was about four or something like that so it's German in the household but then mm-hmm. growing up in Ireland uh, so yeah oh, Germany nice. doesn't have uh, much of a rugby team or anything like that I always thought oh. they they had the right mindset I think if they turned their minds to, to rugby it's got like good organisation discipline uh, they're kind of meaty guys over there so I always thought they'd be quite <laughs> they'd be quite good to it if they turned their minds to it but uh, as of yet there is no kind of big no uh, national team too busy focusing on football a bunch of losers yeah we're just too too busy focusing on winning world cups all the time you know Ugh, yeah it gets exhausting sometimes i remember in the junior cycle as well um we were we were playing i don't know it was some big game against prez bray or something like that uh, and i ended up missing it because um i was also doing the plays i you know i obviously like performing i was interested in and um, the coach, I remember him coming up to me on the Monday or whatever and being like so angry at me. And he was like, Killian, what were you doing? And I was like, I was doing Shakespeare. Okay? <laughs> it was like, it was so important. And I was like, this is Romeo and Juliet. Some of the most important lines ever written. Seriously. <laughs> so, I mean, I guess my focus was elsewhere as well. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> on the arts, Sean. I mean, you understand. I totally understand. Yeah, yeah. Speaking of the arts, <laughs> it's been a great couple of years for the arts, not for the planet. Uh, <laughs> but um, you've like, you've had, I mean, your stuff is brilliant, man. You're, you're so funny 
and as I remember, is yours, as is yours. Thank you, thank you. <laughs> We're just gonna compliment each other now for the rest of this. That's okay. But man, your style of videos as well, I'm quite envious in that you just look like you can pick up a phone and just like say and you know just make up something hilarious off the top of your head. Yeah. I have to script every single word. You know, I'm looking around for like you know fun fairs nearby that I can make metaphors. To. I'm like, what am I gonna write about? Yeah. I need to know every detail. I need Kinsella on the phone now. Gary <laughs> Kinsella. Yeah, well, I mean, I guess I did used to. I tried different styles that suited me, and um, I used to like you know set things up and script them out. And I guess you find the thing that suits you best. Mm -hmm. And uh, and like I do sometimes have a script there in case uh, I, I can lean on it or whatever. But I like to kind of just. I find that, that the less things I have to worry about, and if I only have to worry about the comedy or whatever, uh, it tends to be easier. So I kind of mm -hmm. actually, I mean, I used to, sometimes I use a tripod to hold the camera, but a lot of them I just hold it in yeah. front of my head and then just try say funny things. And But I mean, like, you know, you do sketches with lots of different people a lot of the time. Mm. Uh, and I find if I do, you know, anything more than uh, two or three characters, then I do have to get a script involved because... It's just very hard to edit it together if they're all just saying random things. Yeah. So, I've had yeah. several panic attacks in the edit <laughs> yeah. uh, section of several yeah. sketches and my wardrobe has been pushed to its absolute limits. Uh, <laughs> like my wardrobe department is my wardrobe. So if yeah. I'm playing seven characters, I'm like, God, I need seven t-shirts yeah. right now. It is, I mean, we say, like a lot of the online comedians say that about the, the kind of, the fact that we have to wear t-shirts and stuff to show that we're different characters, mm -hmm. but we are incredibly lucky that you know, the audience are so willing to accept that if I'm wearing a blue T-shirt and the other person is wearing a white T-shirt, they're two different people. It's <laughs> yeah. like we have to make no effort whatsoever in terms of makeup. We don't, have to, we don't even put on glasses or a mustache. No. Or, yeah. We just go, oh, this guy's wearing a yellow T-shirt. This guy's wearing a red T-shirt that says T-shook on it. And you're like, oh, yeah, that guy's the T-shook. And that guy's just some random dude. And That's like they true. accept it. So we're, we're very lucky that uh, we can do that. Oh, there's no such thing as subtext in our comedy sketches. Yeah. You come in and you've got like anxiety written on your chest. Yeah. And that's your character yeah. and everybody's that's like that's fine yeah or okay. a lower third just says i'm the dublin rental market <laughs> and then it's like okay he's the he's the dublin rental market i get it yeah, yeah. some of them get really abstract you're like yeah, yeah i am representing the concept of renting <laughs> get on but and everyone's like fine yeah got it um, yeah. you went on a, a little tour yourself recently across europe how was that that was great me and uh my girlfriend anna we converted a van and uh, we, we drove it to, uh, well, we didn't drive across the sea. We put it on a boat and then uh, drove it across. You converted uh, it to a boat. Yeah, it was like the Viking Splash Tour, like an aqua, aqua van. Um, but no, we, we went from uh, Ross Lair to, oh no, it was Dublin Port to Cherbourg. And then we drove down to Barcelona, the Pyrenees, and we went all around the coast of Spain and then uh, up the coast of Portugal and then uh, came back. So it was amazing. It was yeah. like maybe eight and a half weeks of, of driving around, um, totally. living the van life. It was, it was really nice. Hashtag van life. Yeah, it was very hashtag van life. Um, yeah. The funny thing about uh, van life is, um, I, I suppose when you look on Instagram, you assume it's, all, assume it's all these young millennials who've been you know, locked out of the housing market, but are now living in their cars <laughs> and pretending to be happy about it. Uh, but it's actually mostly uh, sort of retired German and French people. That's the, whenever you go to these kind of van mm -hmm. spots where they're all, all the other people are parked, it's all these just retired German and French people. And I was like, this wasn't on the brochure. Yeah. I, was, <laughs> I was looking for, you know, cool young people making lattes and stuff. But it was all these older older dudes who have these ridiculous big uh, mobile homes and stuff. So yeah. yeah, yeah. What were the highlights? Uh, I mean, we were in the the, the deserts of uh, Spain, uh, the Tabernas deserts, which is where they filmed all the spaghetti westerns. And uh, they actually have the, the original film set where The Good, The Bad and The Ugly was filmed. Yeah. And uh, we visited it. It's like this mini kind of Hollywood place. Um, mm -hmm. All the extras from the films uh, put, pooled their money together and they bought the set. 
and uh, and now it's like this cool theme park and just walking around there pretending to be a cowboy you know i didn't know europe had deserts uh, mm. so it was very cool i was doing a lot of i bought a, a 40 dollar cowboy hat uh, which was really really great i was you know i don't usually spend that much money on things but uh, i had three bars in the saloon and i was feeling a bit like oh and, uh, and i bought the hat and i was walking around pretending to be the sheriff for a day it was very fun uh, my girlfriend was quite exhausted but, <laughs> but uh, she, she was like maybe we can go home and i was like all right that's a suit let's go on home <laughs> for six can weeks can we not stay here forever <laughs> trying to get a job but uh yeah we did eventually the leave. i know yeah I know, I know it's an it's not it's not something you can wear in dublin um it's something you can wear when you're you know living van life on the road and people mm. in, in mainland europe are much more accepting of those kind of things but uh you know in dublin like imagine me getting on the bus uh, mm. and there's just people at the back of the bus and i'm wearing a cowboy hat i would just be ridiculed you know how um how rigged out was the van like how was living in a van for you how it was I mean, it was really well rigged out. We we uh, we spent uh, two months of lockdown building it, um, and uh, and it had. I mean, it had everything. It had you know, when you're building those things, you have to insulate it. You have to, you know, uh, do plumbing to get the gas connected, and and you know, also the the tap with the water and everything like that has electricity. It has a fridge. It has uh, you know, yeah, gas stove. Everything. Mm -hmm. It has a, an electric heater for when it's cold. Uh, which we didn't need because it was Spain, mm -hmm. but it was nice to have. Mm -hmm. um, so it had everything. You know, there was all the, the comforts of home, except uh, you're just unable to stand up in it. Uh, <laughs> which is, Anna was able to stand up, but I, I was constantly with a, a, a crink in That's my neck. That's why your back was sore. That Actually, thinking about it now, that must be why I, I had a very bad back. Um, but also, and also just not being able to like uh, lie down straight as well, um, which was also, you know, uh, a bit yeah. of a sacrifice. But bar that, it was, you know, it was very, very comfortable. It was really, really nice. Yeah, yeah. What, um, you said over lockdown, you started building it what like was it just we're stuck here let's build it and let's just go it was uh, I think well, Anna bought the van um, I think it was during the first lockdown summer when we were like well COVID will be over in two weeks um, so <laughs> yeah. we were like okay well let's do this when, when it's over uh, but yeah she bought the van and then we it was like just an empty it was just like an empty shell of a van uh, we took everything out and uh, and yeah I mean we I guess we wanted to we wanted to travel and, and it's a really, really good way of traveling where you can do it very, very cheaply uh, because you just, you know, you have your accommodation sorted out mm -hmm. and all you're really paying for is petrol, which did get very expensive while we were on the road. Uh, but, uh, you know, you can just park up in one spot for a week. You can go to some of the places that are really remote and inaccessible and, you know, you can be there. Uh, so I guess, yeah, the, the freedom and the liberation of it was something we re really wanted to do. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, that was why. And it, it you know, I mean, it was a big effort to build, but I, I really recommend doing it. Uh, it's yeah. a hassle, but it's fun. Okay, okay. I was talking to somebody who lives in a houseboat uh, there the other week. Oh, yeah. And he was saying, yeah, it's grand. Uh, you can't stand up, though. And there's often people just walking on my house. <laughs> which is, you know, not you don't have the same issue when you live in the semi-detached. Yeah. You know, nobody's walking on the roof. Yeah, there, there is. I mean, with van life, it is a lot. Like, you can't escape the fact that you are living in a van. You know, <laughs> they're like, uh, they're usually very pretty and stuff. And they go like, here's our beautiful bed. Uh, you know, it's like really nice. Uh, here's like our little mini garden. Here's our basil plant. This is the bucket that we poo in <laughs> uh, and you're just like okay <laughs> so it is you know you can't hide the fact uh, that it is a car you're living in <laughs> cribs van life it's just not quite as glamorous is it? um so how's the rest of 22 uh, 2022 looking for killian sunderman any plans um, yeah well i guess like uh, more stand-up i'm hoping to do more stand-up mm -hmm. um like i think uh, i think that's kind of something i want to focus on i do want to keep making sketches and videos online but i'm kind of 
hopefully like move into more actual physical world, real life stuff, mm-hmm. uh, maybe some TV and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that kind of thing. Also uh, my, uh, my podcast, uh, uh, MK Ultra Film, uh, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm doing that a bit more because uh, it used to be the fact that we would do it once every maybe six months, uh, but now we're thinking of doing it maybe even once every two weeks, who knows? Wow, man. <laughs> the rise and grind. Yeah, I know. No, no, it's tough. It's a tough life, seriously. You guys don't know. You guys don't know. <laughs> you know what it's like to make a podcast. Yeah. <laughs> You wouldn't have a clue. <laughs> we need a rugby return. Yeah. Your comeback. We need intros. And, and I think we're going to come to you for our intros. So. I'm always here. Brilliant. Well, Killian Sunderman, thanks so much for joining us, man. It's great to chat to you. No, it was wonderful. Thanks so much for having me. Really appreciate it. We will be back after this. The Front Row, brought to you by The 42, in partnership with Guinness. All right. Well, that's all for this series of The Front Row. Insert ah noise from the crowd here. Uh, If you liked what you heard and watched, give us a review and a rating on your favourite podcast app. And if you didn't and you're still listening, who hurt you? Anyway, thanks very much to Murray, Emer, and our very special guest, Killian Sunderman. Thanks to our sponsor, Guinness. And this show was made by Chemistry Media for The 42. And we will see you again next time.